So you ever seen like an infant learning how to swim? Yes. You ever seen them throw the baby in the pool? Well, that's my management style. Throw the baby in the pool. Everyone on my team is just like, yo, if you're trying to be a part of this, you go, you, you the sink or swim. And welcome back to another episode of Select Conversations, Season 2, hosted by me, Rachie Jackson, presented by Ally. And I am so elated to be sitting with my good sis, Key Henderson. She is the DIY person when it comes down to starting a label, working with independent artists, and is just all around an amazing person. So, sis. What's up, sis? Hey. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, thanks for coming. I'm really excited excited for you to just share. Yes. And for everybody to hear what you have to say and pick up what you're putting down. Because what you always do is put it in, okay? That's a fact. Like, you have a lot of knowledge within you. But one thing that I do want to start with before we get into our conversation is Mm -hmm. just who you are as a person. Like, give us the backdrop. Key Henderson from the north side. Let's start there. North side. I love that. Yeah, so... I am uh, born in Cleveland, Ohio, moved to Georgia very, very young in the outskirts. A lot of people don't know that about <laughs> Key. Right. I'm from the North. Uh, think of Migos when you think of me. <laughs> Not that. Uh, I'm the fourth Migo, honestly. <laughs> Truly. Um, you know, I started music really as a fan. You know, I, I majored in journalism. I was obsessed with music culture. I was obsessed with Vibe, Double XL, The Source. Uh, Complex came a lot later, but I was just obsessed with everything music, and I studied it, uh, much like most of my peers, right? And, you know, wrap-up magazines all over my wall, things like that. Um, And so I went to school for journalism, and then I got an internship at The Source uh, and Complex in the same summer. This was, like, 2005, my third year of college. Um, And that was my first, like, intro into New York and and, uh, the possibilities, because I do think that New York is the center of the world. Tell the people where you went to college. I went to college at Elon University. It's a uh, PWI. It is not an HBCU. We know. Well, know. <laughs> Look, well, we it's know. Okay. <laughs> you, you got HBCU in you. I feel like I'd still be at an HBCU if I went to an HBCU. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah, meaning which, like which I would have never graduated. Oh, you mean? Uh-huh. It's a lot of distractions. You think so? Absolutely. That Spelman? Is such I'd still be at Spelman right now. A controversial... <laughs> But I did not think you were just going to sit in front of me and say that. I mean, but it's facts. Have you seen the women at Spelman? I mean, I have, but I mean, I'm swing that way. Right, respectfully. Respectfully. Anyway. Truly. Back to the program. (laughs) Right. Uh, I told y'all we were going to kick it. (laughs) We're kicking it. This is an LGBTQIA safe programming, right? Come on, intersectionality call out. All right, cool. I love it. Indeed. Um, So, yeah, I graduated from Elon. Um, and thought I was going to move to New York, but obviously it's a very expensive city. My mom was like, uh, you thought. And so I graduated um, and started like blogging and throwing parties. Um, and my parties were really targeted towards like the subculture of Atlanta, which is like your black hipsters, um, skinny jeans before skinny jeans was a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The crowd that shopped at Wish, yes. the crowd that loves streetwear. Yes. Atlanta era. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this was like 2006 through 2009. I'm just kind of like, you know getting it popping in the city as far as a promoter, um, blogger, and that sort of thing. And at one of my events, somebody came up to me. His name is Grip Plies. May he rest in peace. Yes. Um, he came up to me like, yo, these are the kind of people that should be buying my music. These are the kind of people that should be coming to my shows, buying my merch. Will you, you know, consider managing me? And I was like, 
Yeah, sure. Because I had always in some way wanted to be attached to music. I just didn't know how I would get into it. Management um, chose you, it seems. 1,000%. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, I don't think there's very many artists that I've actually approached to work with. God has brought me like almost every single artist that I've worked with. It's been very interesting and chosen Amen. journey. You know what I mean? Um, and that's my background. You know, I started working with this artist in 2009. Uh, and then, you know, soon after that, I started working with an artist named Saya. She's Young M.A. before Young M.A. from Brooklyn. She's an incredible well, rapper. really, really dope. And she's outside, too. Very outside. She's like, an actor now. She's doing her yes, thing. Yes, she is. I'm so proud of her. Yeah. I ran into her at the Virgil exhibit that oh, Ruby Tom did with Off-White. And oh, it nice. was, I was like, hey, what's up? No, Saya's a pioneer. Oh no, she and seeing her there to me was just aligned because that's that's her lane. Yes, that's one thousand percent. And soon after that, I got with Two Nine, um, which is, you know, for lack of better comparison, they were like the Wu Tang or the Odd Future of Atlanta. It was like a bunch Very of kids so. that were like skaters and from that kind of like hipster area, but they were from all over Atlanta. Um, and then you know, I worked with a couple other co-managers with them: uh, B. Wright, Dez, Meezy. Um, the homies and I'm yeah. just sitting here like letting you tell the story but I want to jump in with 10 different things that came to my mind of course <laughs> shout out Six Degrees Be Right and Des they yes. are hey, the, the go-to agency in Atlanta right now for experience. premiere premiere yeah. premiere so I've been I've been knowing them since they were probably freshmen or sophomores in college um, but yeah I got in with 2-9 and then Key decided to separate from 2-9 and I started kept working with Key and you know as he started picking up momentum um Things just started happening for us. And then he, he came to me one day like, yo, I got this artist I want to sign on my label. His name's 21 Savage. So he introduced me to 21 Savage. Um, and then that's where that run came from. And then around 2017, 2018, I was like, you know, I want to diversify. I want to start working with other genres because I don't consider myself to be a rap manager. Um, no offense to anyone that is a rap manager. I just feel that like, my palette is a bit broader um, and my taste is a bit broader, so I wanted to branch you have out. range. Yes, range. And that is nothing to be ashamed of. Range is a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in 2018, started since the 80s with Barry and Zeke. Um, they managed JID, Earth Gang, and we all are cut from the same cloth of, like, developing talent from nothing. And not nothing meaning, like, they were worth nothing, but nothing meaning nobody knew, knew about them or cared about them. And, you know, we took the risk to get involved. So, you know, starting since the 80s was like, we're going to be an artist development company. We want to be looked at like a Motown, like a LaFace, LVRN. Like, we want to take artists and, like, really help them, you know, grow and flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a great run. We, I think we had learned a lot about, like, running a label and what that looks like and what it's not, you know, because um, we walked away from that situation. Like, yo, this is way different than we had actually thought it would be. Right. Then in 2021, last year, I decided, you know, I want to go solo again and just set up my own shop. It was just feeling like, you know, the situation I was in was not serving me. Um, we had different ideals in mind in terms of, like, artists that, to focus on or monies to put towards artists. Like, we just had different ideas. And so it didn't work out with Sense 80s. And so I decided to start my own thing, Third and Hayden. And that's where we are today. That was... <laughs> that's my... A swirl of a timeline. <laughs> and I have had the pleasure of watching your career for so many years. Like, mm. courtside, if you will, okay? Mm. I was there at a lot of different things and a lot of different moments. And your career, in my opinion, is just so thoughtfully organized and just beautifully made. And mm. I think it's that way because you were never afraid to pivot. Mm-hmm. 
And oftentimes in management, especially when you're managing underneath your own label or, you know, in a DIY independent situation, you get locked in because you're afraid to walk away because you don't want to feel like you failed right. or didn't show up or just didn't continue on a path that you set out or set, you know, your foot sure. forward to achieve. And talk to us about pivoting, mm-hmm. why it's important and when is the right time or how do you know within yourself when it's mm. the right, when it's the right time as a manager? Sure. So, you know, I think the skill of pivoting comes from just like bumping your head and, and making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you don't really learn to trust your intuition right out the gate because you're just, you're so hungry to get to a certain point that you're just doing any and everything to get there. Right. Um, and so for me, it was like, I had wasted you know, quite a few years on artists that necessarily, you know, didn't have the same kind of work ethic or didn't want it as much as I wanted it. Because I'm a very passionate person. I don't make music, but I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. And so I get really, really involved and hands-on with every artist that I work with. But if I see the energy is not matched, then it's like, okay, this is probably not a situation that's going to work for me because I'm not going to out- outwork you. You know, you shouldn't have to call a grown adult to show up to work. You know what I mean? Hello. That's just not, that's not, not good it. business. That's not it. <laughs> Nobody has time for that. I don't have kids. I have a dog. Um, and that's the only Period. that's the only living thing that I am like responsible for, like telling to do something. Right. Um, and so at some point you just have to like kind of weigh the pros and cons. Like, OK, is this worth my energy? Is this worth my time? Is this serving me? Is this along my journey, too? Because sometimes you'll just be working on something that's not even aligned with where you want to be in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Um, but a lot of even knowing that that doesn't come with you know that comes with some wisdom that comes with just experience and learning things and and falling and mistake and making mistakes because whether people realize it or not the mistakes are a part of the journey the failure is a part of the journey you know what I mean the times that I've fallen down is like I had to pick myself back up but I'm also a very self um I was like a, almost like a very self-sufficient person I always have been I'm an only child I've always nurtured my own self to get out of certain certain situations right mm-hmm. or to pick myself up right um and there's been moments where it's like, okay, maybe I need therapy to pick me up. You know, like there's been low moments where I couldn't do it by myself. Right. And so you have to like kind of listen to yourself, listen to your body, listen to your mind. And when things aren't serving you, you got to, all right, I got to go this way. This ain't working out. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And throughout your career, you wore a lot of different hats. A ton. So when we talk about what's not serving. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you felt that you did where you were like, okay, yeah, this does not work? And then, mm. and or something that you did do or a role that you did take or a side job that you had that might not, to the naked eye, have been mm-hmm. seen as related to your career journey or career or related to your career path that actually did help along the way? Uh, I'll speak to that. You know, like <clears throat> working as a promoter. I think helped me to understand like getting people into a space. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're working with DIY artists, you know, you're sometimes producing your own shows, your own tours. Um, and so kind of just knowing like how to organize and produce an event is something I wouldn't have thought that I would actually need, but I actually still use it to this day. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so that's something that for sure is like, Oh, I, I will probably won't need to know this later, but I actually use it very frequently. Um, and I honestly, I'll be honest. I don't think there's any jobs that I've actually done where I was in it. And it was like, not aligned with my path. Um, right. I don't think that, you know, God makes mistakes in putting me in certain places. Amen. Um, that's just is, the key setting. is what it is. <laughs> uh, you know, even from working in streetwear, like I worked at 10 Deep for a bit as a marketing manager, you know, 
that helped me bust my chops in terms of like how collaborations work, how boutiques work, how buying works. Like there's a lot of information that I gathered from that job that like actually helped me with, you know, artist merchandise, artist promotions, doing collabs with other brands. Like everything that I've done has served this this path. And I think that's why it looks so calculated and so intentional because it kind of is. Even when I feel like it's not, I'm like, oh, should I be doing this? Do I need this money? But God knows that I need that money. And so they're like, yep, that's why I sent it mm-hmm. to you. You know what I'm saying? Go out and get it. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. So when you choose an artist, mm-hmm. we agree that God knows all, sees all, and aligns all. Mm-hmm. But what do you look for? What makes your eyes light up? What makes your ears pay attention when yeah. you encounter an artist, whether it's in person or you just randomly hear a song. Cause I'm a girl, you be outside. That's one thing you, yeah. I really admire that about you. I'll call you one day. Where are you? Oh, Oregon doing what? At this <laughs> open mic. I'm just, you know, pushing up on this artist. Right. And that is just so admirable. Yeah. But when you, outside of your explorations, mm-hmm. always where in the world is key San Diego. But mm-hmm. aside from that, yeah. What do I look for? What do you look for? What draws you? Uh, I mean, first the product, obviously the music has to speak to me, um, in a way that's like just genuine. Like I have to genuinely feel like, oh, this is, this is a good song or this is a good album. Um, so first the product, right. And then from there it's kind of vision. And I think I look at an artist's vision from like, you know, you can gather that information from music videos, from their Instagram page, just in how they curate their own brand mm-hmm. is super important to me because I'm a marketing person first. Like, and you I are. enjoy marketing some shit. Um, and so an artist that understands like, all right, I'm here now, but I want to get to here. And they kind of have an idea how to get there. That excites me um, because then that's something to work with. You know what I'm saying? Um, work ethic is probably number three. You know what I mean? Like I can't work with an artist that, um, is waiting on me to tell them to do something because I'm not, you know, I'm not selling the music. I'm not, you know, getting in front of people performing. I need to see a work ethic. Right. That's super important. Yeah. Got to have some giddy up about yourself to keep up with Key. For okay? sure, for sure. She works. <laughs> Kim K was not talking about her. Okay. She gets <laughs> up every day and works. Yeah. This is a fact. Yeah. And I think now older, the last thing I look for is um, how they treat people. And how they respect Mm, others. That's a big one. Dive into that. That's a really, really big one because, um, you know, it's important just to be working with people that respect you, right? And that Mm -hmm. speak to you in a a way that feels like you're welcomed in their space. You know what I mean? And it should be mutual. You know what I mean? So every artist that I work with, I feel like they just have a genuine respect for me. And that's important because at the end of the day, it's like, I'm not doing this for shits and giggles. I'm doing it because this is my life. Right. And it's their life, too. So I want someone to treat their job with the, the utmost importance and treat me with the utmost importance. And when they walk in rooms, they greet people, they talk to people and, you know, they're respectful. You know what I mean? That's so important because you can be working with somebody and and it takes away from your mental health. And if your mental health is like, you know, in the gutter, then exactly. you can't really actually do your job at 150 percent because I work at 150 most people working at like 175, yeah. I say. Most people working, trying to work to 100, I'm working at like 150, 175. So if my mental health is down and, or my frequency is low, I can't really be around you. And right. It makes my job hard. Right, for sure. And yeah. I think that the root 
of a lot of that is love. And I think we don't really talk about that enough because I tell artists that I work with and teams that I work with, Mm -hmm. I'm not here if there's no love there. Mm -hmm. I go where I'm celebrated and appreciated and that will always be reciprocal. And I feel that, you know, as an independent artist and as an independent manager, label team, you always have to have love there. Because if you have an issue, you should be able to show up as you, no matter Mm -hmm. what that looks like. And people allow you to do that and know that it's coming from whatever place it's coming from. But you got to trade love. Yeah, it starts with love. 1,000%. Yeah, for sure. We need more love in the world. So many artists have hopes and dreams of being their own boss and starting their own labels and then signing Mm -hmm. other artists and doing that whole thing that seems to be a monolith or Mm -hmm. just some sort of made-up trajectory because, Mm -hmm. as we both know, it goes a lot of different heltery-skeltery types of ways. (laughs) So to iron that out Mm -hmm. and to kill the noise, Mm -hmm. to myth-bust, if you will, Mm -hmm. what are the proper steps before you know it's time Mm -hmm. for you to start your own label? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a great question, actually. No one's ever asked me that. Um, First and foremost, you know, I feel like as an artist, if you want to sign other artists or producers, you need to be at a certain level first Mm. um, to to be able to bring people up. You know what I'm saying? Like, do for yourself first, get to a certain point. Um, And whatever that point may be, you know, I think the benchmark may be different depending on the artist, depending on the genre. Um, and depending how, on how big you want that label to get also, you know what I mean? There's a lot of artists, Nas, J. Cole, Thug, T.I., 21 Savage, Travis, all of these artists have labels, um, but they started them at like certain points in their career, right? T.I. started them when he's starting to getting into film um, and really just focusing on his film career. So it was like, okay, well, let me start putting other people on that focus solely on the music stuff. You know what I mean? Um, Thug, I feel like from the gate, always had a label. Right. You know what I mean? He did. Big he, entrepreneur. Big, big entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it just varies. But I think the first step is first get to a certain point in your own career um, to where, you know, it makes sense to do something like that. Uh, but then number two, you should have a team or a partner around you that can actually run said label. Because uh, there's a lot of artists run labels that are not properly run. You need um, the acumen. You need the, the business acumen because yes. a, a rapper running a career for another rapper is um, sometimes a little backwards. It doesn't always make sense um, because that artist, the main artist who you know is starting the label, is always going to be the focus. Is always going to be the number one. You know what I'm saying? Um, for most artists, I will say that. Right. You know Yo I mean? Gotti is a great example of an artist that yes. knew his craft, knew he was a businessman, mm-hmm. and put that into all of the artists that he signed. Yes. All of the artists at CMG are bosses. Yes. And I can't wait to see Glorilla's label because we know it's dropping. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and be bold and say that. Like, yeah. okay, Big Glow, sign me, girl. Shout out Glorilla, man. <laughs> For real. Be fine. <laughs> For real. Um, but yeah, I think having a team, too, just having a team that can help you to actually start said label and run the label and go out and get you overhead and or, you know, take the funds from, you know, the artists and actually dedicate that to the artist. Like, it's a whole other thing separate from the artist, the main artist career. You know right. What I'm saying? Right. Um, so I think that's probably steps one and two is understanding, like, that it's a real undertaking. It's not something to be um, careless about because it's also other people's lives. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. And then the second point. I will underscore because it was the biggest one out of the mm-hmm. two is that you need to identify people that have the acumen that you do not mm-hmm. and allow them to come 
do them mm-hmm. so that you and your label can be successful. So Right. Yeah, you got to let people do their job. Got to. Got yeah. to. Are you a micromanager? Not at all. I hate micromanaging. What would you describe your managerial style as? So you ever seen like an infant learning how to swim? Yes. You ever seen them throw the baby in the pool? Well, that's my management style, throw the baby in the pool. Everyone on my team is just like, yo, if you're trying to be a part of this, you go, you, you the sink or swim at the end of the day. Because there's no formal training that I can give you to be an amazing manager. You either have the taste, you either have the initiative, uh, you either have the discipline or you don't. You know what I'm saying? And there's obviously certain things like uh, very specific tasks that I can show you right. and teach you. But there's a certain inside that you need to have that's just like, just, you just have it. You know what I'm saying? You have the skill to see, like, okay, this person needs to be here at this time. That means we need to leave at this time. And I need to make sure when we get there, all these things are already there. You have to have foresight. Right. Right. Common sense also. Indeed. Yeah. And so when you throw the baby in the pool, that baby has common sense enough to know if I don't do something. I can't die. Exactly. If (laughs) I I don't do something, it's instinct. It's natural instinct. That baby starts kicking. Same thing with a dog. You throw a dog in the pool, it learns how to swim. Right. You know, or naturally knows how to swim. Yeah. But that's my management style. Um, I don't like to micromanage. I like to like tell people to do something and let them come back to me. And then, okay, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is where you did this wrong. All right, let's work on this. All right, go fix it. Like, don't come back to me with a whole bunch of questions. Like when I was at Complex, I kind of skipped over that in my intro. But when I worked at Complex, I hired like over ten to fifteen interns, and they had like a limit on the number of questions they could ask me. It's like, yo, figure it out. Key Diddy. <laughs> no, not all to me. Like, just, I don't have time for that. If I had got to do your job, then how am I going to do my job? Now, that's a perfect segue into what I was going to go into. You know, we mm-hmm. here, we always here. No, first, I was going to commend you on being such a master delegator. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I've noticed about you along the years. You always introduced me to, oh, this is my intern so-and-so, or this is my role manager so-and-so. And it's always somebody new that I've never seen. <laughs> and then they turn up. Like, in a couple yeah, months, yeah. it's like, oh, well, yeah, now I work at Spotify. Or, oh, you know, now I'm an intern at United Masters. There's right, right. always an opportunity with working with you. 1,000%. So if there is anyone out there that wants to figure out how to align with you, how do they connect, how do they reach out, what should they work on before they even step to you? What should they work I'm so glad you said yeah, that. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, because, because... You, you definitely have requirements. For that sure. That is what I know. Yeah, first is common sense. Yeah, so recently I got hit up on LinkedIn um, by someone that wanted to work with me or explore opportunities with me. And that was the, maybe probably the second or third time that that's ever happened. Wow. It's usually Instagram DM or Twitter DM. uh, But I literally instantly hit this young lady back because she hit me on like a proper platform. And it was a unique approach for you. 1,000%. I was like, oh, wow, this is a professional. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? They're hitting me on LinkedIn. Wow. This is so great. This feels nice. Um, so I think it's just about just coming correct to people. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm a really nice person. People probably think I look mean sometimes when I'm out in the streets, but most people can walk up to me and have a conversation. Um, now, I'm just telling that could change pretty soon. Like, I might have security at one point. It's like, yo, you got to you sure might. You know, keep six feet back. I just text her when she has her security with her. I don't <laughs> even approach her myself, so I get it, y'all. Yeah, no, dead ass. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's how people approach me. I mean, but also just kind of having a little bit on your resume uh, that makes sense or aligns with where you want to go. I know that can be hard in some cities, um, especially if you're, like, from middle of nowhere, like, you know, the mid- uh, Midwest or um, just in cities that don't have a, a large music platform. Right. You may not have a lot of music experience, but there are other ways to get experience without 
being in major metro cities, right? That could look like freelance writing. Um, that could look like helping out an artist in your city. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff, like taking the initiative to get something on your resume, no matter where you are, I think says a lot. Got you, got you. Yeah. And back to what you were saying about presentation and how mm-hmm. sometimes you feel that people think you look mean or whatever. Do you think <laughs> it's because of the way that you present yourself through your sexuality? Has that ever been an issue for you? I don't know if it's really my sexuality that scares people. I think, you know, sometimes I could be up here. Um, out, like, as much as I try to be present, right. I'm always thinking about stuff I have to do, like mm-hmm. especially work. So oftentimes I'm probably not as zoned in as, as people may think. And so they look at me and think, oh, I can't walk up to her. But I'm really a, a sweetheart. I'm pretty nice you are and approachable. And you're a great friend, too, I would say. Oh, thank you. If you don't already, I really need you all to follow Key on Twitter mm-hmm. because she airs <laughs> it out. Her handle is Key Opens Doors. Yes. K-E-I, Opens yes. Doors. Yes. And I really love the way that you are so transparent about the way you feel about music, Mm -hmm. about development of artists and about the treatment of artists. And I really think that my favorite or my most interesting take of yours currently, because you have a lot of hot ones, (laughs) a lot lot of hot takes over there, but it's the role or your, your understanding and your opinion on the role that major labels play Mm-hmm. In stunting the growth of developing artists mm-hmm. by being so reliant on analytical data. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One, two, three, fight. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. What's the thing? <laughs> What's the thing? Here's the thing, and I'm not really sure, you know, who will be offended by this, but I think a lot of labels are very lazy. Um, and when something, major labels, and when something doesn't instantly take off, um, as they expected or, you know, whatever the case, matching their budget, whatever they put towards the artist. If it doesn't take off like that, um, then it, it seems to me a lot of artists are just kind of left to their own devices to figure it out. Which is unfair, um, and that's not even arguable to me. Right, right. And I can speak from my own personal experience with majors. Um, I've had one really, really great experience with majors, um, but that artist came in with a, a lot of leverage, right? Um, had already had platinum success prior to signing had already toured you know prior to signing whatever so we had done all the development on our own and then went to a label so that major label experience was great but as an artist that doesn't have the same amount of leverage you go into the situation thinking that you have some sort of team that's going to wrap their arms around the artist and that's not always the case um you know a lot of labels are are relying on playlists to do their marketing playlist is not a marketing strategy whatsoever uh and and neither is tiktok um, while I do love TikTok and I do think that artists should, you know, create content on the platform, we can't rely on someone going viral to break a song. It's just unrealistic. Um, yeah, and I, and I just, at the end of the day, I feel like <clears throat> it's got to come back at some point to in real life activations. I know the pandemic has, has made us go super, super, super digital, but now that we're open in, in a certain capacity, I think that people, labels especially, have to get back to activating locally on the ground and in the community if it starts with 50 people it starts with 50 people cool great next time make it 100 people and the next time make it 200 people and the next time make it 400 people but the issue is that labels because they are spending all of this money they think oh well this didn't work we're going to walk away from it let's try something else and drop another song oftentimes songs are just not even being worked enough or properly you know what i'm saying they're not given the enough energy to actually 
be in front of enough people. You know what I mean? And I feel like majors, um, I don't know if it's a bandwidth thing, a budget thing. You know, I've never worked at a label. I have no desire to do such. Um, but they they don't seem to give the same kind of care as like independent labels like a QC or like LVRN, like a Since the 80s, like a Third and Hayden. Like we really, um, EQT as well, we really put in a lot of energy into a song, into an artist, into a project. You know what I mean? And major labels are not seemingly as capable of doing that. Anytime you're looking to grow anything, it would matter if it was an actual seed that's going in the ground. You mm-hmm. have to care about it. You have to water it. You have mm-hmm. to tend to it. You have to give it what it needs. Yeah. And it just, for lack of a better term, it breaks my heart when I hear poor experiences mm-hmm. or just, you know, lackluster experiences with these major labels that were around before we were born. You mm-hmm. would think that they would have it figured out by now and they really don't. Because every artist starts at square one. Sure. So regardless of how much leverage they come in the door with, you have to take that and put a hundred on ten. Right. Then put a thousand on a hundred and then keep it going and then empower them to do whatever they want to do. And I feel that nowadays we're seeing less and less of that. One thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, labels seem to go they're like in this um remember when single deals were a thing? Right. Like ringtones. It's like Mm -hmm. it's almost like they're back at that. Like, oh, you went viral. Bet we want to sign you. Here's how much money we want to sign you for. No one's talking about developing. No one's talking about plans in these meetings. They're talking about that song that went viral and putting more energy on that song. You know what I'm saying? And just kind of relying on that to be their marketing strategy. And that is um, far from a strategy. Uh, I also think that what I would want to change is like there's a lot of people at labels that um, that are collecting checks, right? There's people getting paid every two weeks and doing the very, very bare minimum. Um, and that culture has just got to stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. if you're just there to check a box for your boss to tell somebody you did it, that's just not enough. Or for the clout, because we see that a lot, too. Yeah, the clout, the clout yeah. chasing, I guess, A&R's is a thing. these days are <laughs> a little different. It's not everybody. I know it's a lot of everybody. really, really quality A&Rs and A&Rs that are flashy, that earned it. Yep. And then I see a lot of cap on these apps. Whole lot Ooh. of cap. Whole so lot of cap. if you're listening and you're aspiring to be an A&R for the vanity, just don't. Just don't do it. it. Do it because you love music and do it because you love the craft. Right. Because this is people's lives at the end of the day. Exactly. Especially like there's a lot of artists that, you know, that may be the only thing they can do. There's a lot of people that, um, you know, don't feel like they can go out and get a job and survive and live the lifestyle to take care of their family. So when you plan with somebody's life like that, like it's personal. It's no longer business. And there's people that just, you get paid every two weeks, you got your health benefits, you're on vacation every other week, and the job is not getting done. No, that's a great point. If you were to define artist development, Mm -hmm. how would you elaborate on that? What does artist development mean to you? That's a really great question. Uh, I'm full of great questions. (laughs) Thanks. Artist development. It's, it's, Probably a very long-winded response. I'll try to keep it as we have time short as possible. But to me, artist development is literally um, it's like growing from a, a baby or an infant to a preteen and then to an adult, right? Um, and that sometimes can look like finding your sound, right? Like what does what is my sound? What is my sound? What is my brand? And how is it different from everyone else's? Because that's the thing too is like. We don't need a whole bunch more of the same artists, right? Like, how are you developing yourself to stand out, to be seen amongst, like, all the music that drops today? There's 60,000 songs that drop on Spotify every single day. So you have to think about, like, okay, 
what does my sound sound like? What does my production sound like? What is my voice? How am I using my voice? Is my voice also an instrument? Like Lil Uzi, like Thug. Like how does all of that come together on a track? I think that's super important. So that part of development looks like recording a bunch of music, putting out project, see what people like. Trying things. Trying things. You have to be willing to try things. Um, that's one part of it. The other part of it that's super important to me is developing your stage presence and like what a touring uh, or what a tour might look like or what a show might look like. So you have to get out there and perform your songs. That might look like doing a whole bunch of rehearsals. You know what I mean? Like, do I want to rehearse with a band? Do I want to rehearse with a DJ? What songs are a part of my set? How do I close my set? How do I organize my set? All of that is developing an artist. What does my set design look like? What does my video visuals look like? All of that is super important to um, developing as an artist because at the end of the day, like essentially artists are, excuse me, fans are going out there to buy tickets to see a show, right? Or they're coming to your show to see you. And if your, your shit's not together, then you have to spend some time developing that. You know what I mean? For sure. So um, figuring out the kinks and ironing them out. 1,000%. Once you know where the kinks are or what the kinks are. And identifying those. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then also your look. What is your, you know, what does your brand look like? And that goes from your YouTube videos to your Instagram content to your TikTok content. What do you wear on stage? You know what I mean? Because all of that thing, all of that really matters uh, at the end of the day is developing that too. It definitely The brand is so, so, so important. Great answer. Yeah. Yeah. Presentation matters. It does. I don't does. care what nobody says. Even if you got $50. Decorum. That's it. Brush your teeth. Slick your edges <laughs> down. And handle business. We love decorum. That's so professional. <laughs> That's so exactly. Professional. I like that. Yes. So the term A&R, like A&R, mm-hmm. throughout the music industry, mm-hmm. I've noticed that so many people that eat from people that identify as seasoned all the way down to just new novices or entrants, they have a different definition for that term. Sure. What does it actually mean? Oh, don't ask me. I feel like, (laughs) you know, that changes every day (laughs) right now. Um, In my opinion, or the A&R that I've done, you know, that is sometimes as simple as... uh, putting an artist in with a certain producer, like, and knowing that they'll mesh and find chemistry. Um, that's a part of a and But I think the really, really great A&Rs are able to get artists out of their comfort zone and get them out of their box to stretch out a little bit, um, to take their music or their sound to the next level. Uh, and then also an A&R might be someone that could just see something in someone like this is a talented artist who may only have one or two songs right now, but we could get it to something else because there's something there. I think A&Rs have just really great taste. They have an eye and ear for talent. You know what I mean? I like that. A&Rs need to have great taste and also possess an yeah. eye and ear for great talent. And you can't buy taste. I want to be very clear about that. You can't. It doesn't mean designer. Uh-uh. It doesn't. It also means you can't stand next to somebody and just instantly have taste. You either have it or you don't. There's a lot of young people that I work with. Shout out to Amir Haslam. This young boy, he's 20 years old. He just has taste from his personal style to the music he listens to, the artists that he's brought me, including Ben Riley, Nutso Thuggin. There's so many artists that he brings me on a daily basis, but everything that he brings me is of a certain caliber. It's just a certain standard. And that's something that he just has innately. You know what I mean? Let's get into artists that do more than one thing and how mm-hmm. to successfully manage them. You manage my bestie. Yes, bestie. Azian. <laughs> she is a singer, songwriter, producer, 
actress, voice actress. She's also the voice of Karma on Netflix. Shout out Netflix. Karma's girl. Yes, that is my girl. I could talk about her for days, but we talking about you. So <laughs> how do you successfully manage artists that are a mosaic? Mm-hmm. How do you separate their business? What do you work with? What don't you? What does that situation look like? Yeah, I mean, I'll never pretend to be an expert at everything. And so I think it's really important just to have a team around uh, this multifaceted artist, multi-hyphenate artist that that has expertise in certain areas. Mm-hmm. So ASEAN works really closely with specific agencies for acting, specific agencies for voiceover. Um, and then, you know, I focus mostly on the music side of it. But then, you know, they all kind of like speak to each other, right? Like we all stay in communication on like when music is dropping, when she's going on the road, because then we can kind of take advantage of smart. certain opportunities, right? So if I'm always in constant contact, then it's just like we're just rolling like a, a well oiled machine. Like I don't try to do everything. I'm not trying to do everything. As you said earlier, I, I delegate the hell out of something. You really, really do. And let's yeah. talk about learning how to delegate. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? A task is for you to handle, mm-hmm. and it's for someone else to handle for the sake of their development. Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's funny because this situation just recently came up, where it's like uh, I have an, I have a new artist I'm working with by the name of Ben Riley, mm-hmm. and his merch. We just started like selling his merch, and it's doing really, really well. Oh, that's great. Um, and you know, I helped set up the shop, and you know, got in t- contact with the designer. Blah 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 blah. She the builder, know her. Yeah, very hands on with the entire process of actually building the product. Right. Um, but then when it comes to shipping, it's like that's not a good use of my time. Like, there's no uh, actual business happening from me shipping out a bunch of boxes, right. or from me learning the process of Shopify. Like, that doesn't actually bring money to the artist's pockets. That doesn't actually grow his everyday business. It's that not your lane. It's, it's not, not my role. lane. It is not my role. Got it. Um, so I tend to focus a lot more on like bigger picture and kind of help bring people in to help with the execution part of it. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because to the listener that is trying to break into working with a third in Hayden or mm-hmm. being a key Henderson in time, mm-hmm. that may not sound attractive Mm-hmm. Oh, don't get Ordering me wrong. Ordering shipping labels, I've shipping boxes, yeah, that doesn't that. really sound like it. But I'm underscoring that because it not only builds character, mm-hmm. but to be a successful entrepreneur, in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, because you you will do that. <laughs> 2023. <laughs> you have to know as much about the business as you can. 1,000%. You have to know, even if you can't do it, you got to know that you tried to do it and you couldn't right. before you pass that on to someone else. And it, again, it builds character. It helps you understand how to be a part of the machine mm-hmm. to then run your own. Right. 1,000%. I mean, and that's not to say that I can't do it. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. Right. When we started 21 Savages merch, all of that was being shipped from my apartment. And that's because... I needed to learn what that looks like. And right. also I had picked up that skill at working at 10 Deep. I knew how the shipping worked. I knew how Shopify worked. I know the back end of selling a product. Um, but learning it with an artist, it was like I needed to learn that. So I did that. But now at this level, it's like I'm not, I'm just, I can't do that. Because I know that like how much more the business actually has to be covered. You know what I'm saying? Right. And there's someone that wants to learn these things. So it's like, great, perfect. You learn that and then I'm going to go back to working on this. If you could leave one Jim behind for an aspiring artist looking mm-hmm. for a manager. Mm. 
what would it be? This question's always tough because I don't like to discourage people. Um, but you keep it real. That's why I I'm knew I could save that question for last. I'm going to keep it a buck. I mean, if you're looking for a manager, uh, here's the thing. Have something to manage, first and foremost. Have something to manage. Uh, even artists like a 21 Savage, when, he, when we first met each other and, and started talking about management, he had one song. And I politely asked him, hey, go make some more music and then let's talk. Because there was nothing to manage. I can't manage an artist with one song. What am I going to do for you? Um, and he did exactly that. He came back with like 300 songs. And then we had some, I knew I had something don't to work with. Don't play with Savage. Yeah, don't play with that boy. Like he came back and was like, let's go. And I was like, great. Um, so I have something to actually manage first, right? Mm-hmm. A product. Um, if you've got merch going, like there's got to be some sort of a business there to attract a manager maybe at my level. Now, if you're, if you're looking for just anybody that's like the homie, you know what I'm saying? And that's perfectly fine too because your best friend could be a really great manager sure. to, to as get as long as you're willing to learn right. together correct and yeah. expectations are managed mm-hmm. it could be a great situation 1000 percent. there's a lot of young managers coming into the business right now that are like stellar managers you know what i'm saying that have a lot of potential so don't always go looking for the coach k's and the p's and the, the lvrns the, the berries the key hendersons because she's high level not eye level <laughs> <laughs> that's a bar <laughs> i mean jay-z quote i like that i like that um, yeah, have something to manage. Uh, I think that's the main thing when looking for a manager. Okay. Most managers are going to find you, though, also. That's true. You know what I mean? Be in the right places to be seen, to be picked up as a talent. Um, do the showcases. Come to the conferences. You know what I mean? Like, be active in your your local community. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because I actually go to things like that. I like going to shows to see an artist perform. You know what I mean? Not every A&R or manager is like that, but I enjoy that part of it. I speak to a lot of independent artists, and you know my DM is rampant with the, do you manage, can you manage? (laughs) And I feel like I'm just kind of hearing them in my head right now when Mm -hmm. I'm asking you this. How true is that when it comes down to a manager finding you as an artist? How how often does it happen? I don't know if it happens that often anymore, to be honest, because, I mean, most managers at a certain level are like, I'm good in terms of, like, bandwidth, because it takes a lot of time and energy. Yeah, they're booked and busy, like, it's a lot of energy you have to put into an artist because right. their life becomes your life at the end of the day. Um, so it's probably a, le- a little less frequent, but then also don't shy away again from the brand new rookie managers that's never managed an artist. If you have somebody that's like, yo, I'm just super passionate about your music. Your last project was this, that, and the third. I'm connected with this, that, and the third. I'd love to help you get somewhere. That's somebody that's passionate about you. And all you need is somebody that's passionate about you and, and your music. Plan, yeah. And that has a plan, exactly. Because the, the resources come. The contacts come with time. You know what I'm saying? The experience comes with time. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. I still make mistakes. And I learn something literally every single day. And so if it's a young manager that's never managed before, that doesn't mean that they can't do it. You know what I mean? Like, this is not, we're not doctors. We're not curing cancer. I'm not, you know, doing heart, open heart transplants. <laughs> You're not. This is like really not your thing. basic things. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can learn this. You know what I mean? As always, thanks for listening and thanks for watching another Select Conversation hosted by me, Rachie Jackson, presented by Ally for United Masters. Keith, thank you so much for coming through. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate y'all.